killers. Hello, I'm Tori. Hey, I'm Andy. And this is Floor on Fire. So essentially what our podcast is just like all things spooky because we all like spooky shit. Spooky, ooky, ooky. So we want to talk about, you know, true crime because why the fuck not? And as well as like conspiracy theories, ghosts, ghost stories, like paranormal stories and stuff like that. I want to do like a segment where we go on Reddit and like read other people's like spooky experiences, either with like cryptids or like conspiracy theories or paranormal or anything that's just like a weird coincidence kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of things end up weird coincidences, coincidences, and I love that side of Reddit. I know, I love, I love spooky Reddit, and like the people on there are like such good writers too. Yeah, if only they had the budget for a book. I know, <laughs> self publishing is a lot, and then like trying to get. Oh my gosh, listen, <laughs> I could go, I can make an entire podcast on like the writing industry in general. I can make a podcast on w- why it should not be this difficult to start a podcast. I know. <laughs> Guys, there have been 112 sound tests and I don't even think I'm exaggerating. <laughs> no, you're not. And that, and that's just like with me and you and then not including like the sound tests with just by myself yeah, 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 yeah. trying to fix the like- audio. <laughs> so... Our episode is very special because it's Halloween and we didn't even plan to like record today. We were supposed to record yesterday, but somehow we ended up recording today. It's 112% my fault. I totally forgot yesterday was Sunday. Okay. So Andy, who wants to tell their story first? Okay. So uh, what I should say is that Andy came up with our topics for today um yeah just, tell, just to make episode one really easy on us exactly so tell them like what what your topic is i can't believe we're already starting okay so <laughs> i i picked two. one one is more spooky and the other is more true crimey yeah um, so for tori uh i picked the lalori mansion which i believe is in new orleans mm-hmm. and i picked the uh I, I picked a, a murderer. A murderer. <laughs> a murderer. A murderer. His, his name is Luca Maginata. Luca Maginata. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't care who goes first. I want you to go first. You want me to go first? I do want you to go first because I'm actually very, very curious about yours. Yeah, because I here, already know about yours. Like, I feel like a lot, almost everyone knows about mine, but no one knows like a lot of the truth. And like, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of false. Everyone's at least heard of it. Yeah, there's like a lot of like fake shit going on with my story, but we'll go with yours. And then I'm going to snack as I'm like listening. Oh, no, that's totally fine. Totally fine. Like the like the true fucking glutton that I am. Okay, that's fair. I want to see how good your storytelling skills are. <laughs> it should be pretty good. It should be pretty good. Yay. Okay. Um, before I continue, a little disclaimer. I did my research using the following sources. Uh, heavy.com, tracked.tv. Famouspeople.com and the Netflix documentary Don't Fuck With Cats. All right. So you know what I love? What? Canada. <laughs> Do you know what else I love? Men. Um, close. Strippers. <laughs> um, so this terrible story combines the best of both worlds. <laughs> oh god. Um, I will say it is a very sad story for the uh Jinlin family, and it's a doozy. Mm-hmm. May 25th, 2012, it was a much different platform on the internet uh, because everything was showcased publicly. 
In over a decade, we can see how much it has changed just in our own personal perspective. So on a website called bestscore.com, uh, there was a video posted and the title was a play on the name uh, on the viral meme video, Two Girls, One Cup. Mm-hmm. And the video posted was called One Lunatic, One Pickaxe or One Ice Pick. So sorry, One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. And the gruesome clip depicted a naked man tied down to a bed, his hands and feet bound. And then another man showed up and just started, you know, stabbing him with an ice pick repeatedly. Um, it didn't look like an actual ice pick, though, was the thing. It, it was it was really mm-hmm. odd. It looked like something that was put in the shape of an ice pick. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, this video was real. Unlike the two girls, one cup thing. And the Thai man was revealed to be Lin Jun, a Chinese exchange student studying in Montreal, Canada. And he ended up being brutally dismembered with a steak knife and was also decapitated. How the fuck can someone just brutally, like, dismember and decapitate someone with a fucking steak knife? I I can barely open, you know, those hard plastic containers with a steak knife. How the fuck can you decapitate someone with a steak knife. Let me tell you, I am six foot seven and I can barely cut steak with a steak knife. (laughs) Let alone a human body. That's fucking baffling, dude. That's disgusting, honestly. It is disgusting. Um, This is why I don't eat at other people's houses most times. Yeah. So, decapitated, dismembered. Parts of his body were mailed to police stations. Uh, Some was mailed to a school. I've heard about that part. Yes. Yeah. And, but his left foot specifically, who was mailed to the Conservative Party of Canada, which was at the time like where the prime minister was of Canada. Uh, Stephen Harper was the prime minister at the time. Uh, his torso, however, was found in a suitcase by a uh, janitor. <laughs> yeah. So he saw a suitcase and he also smelled a foul aroma and was like, what the fuck is going on? And that's where uh, just neck to waist is found. Wow. Yucky, yucky, yucky. Um, the autopsy performed on Lynn was inconclusive as to the exact time of death, just because, like, how would you even know? But, oh, this is so sad. Uh, in the video, there's a part where his neck is getting sliced. And because yeah. of the black and blood around the neck, they believe he was alive for that. Oh, wow. Yeah, not great, not great. Um, so, Eric Kirk Newman was born July 24th, 1982. What's his zodiac? Cancer. Wrong. I would I never cover wrong. a cancer serial killer. Real? <laughs> oh, God. I would never cover what I am. I can't remember. I can't remember. Come on. Hold on. Let me let me cheat. No, don't cheat. I have I'm going to cheat. I have it. Then, I can just then say tell it. me. He's, he was a Leo. Oh, a Leo. Yeah. So he was the eldest of his three siblings, but his parents had issues with mental health. His mother, Anna Yorkin, was actually a clinically diagnosed germaphobe. Uh, and his father, Daniel Newman, was a schizophrenic, which oh God. did not help um, anything. Uh, and it also didn't help when his parents got divorced in his teens. So his parents got divorced when he was in the early teens. Well, around 2001, mm-hmm. I did not put how old he was at the time, 82, 92, 02. So he was about 19. In 2001, he relocated to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Remember how I said I love strippers? Guess what he became? 
Ooh, stripper. He became a stripper. This Daniel Kirk or Eric Kirk Newman became a stripper. Because like, what else do you do in Toronto? By two, two years later, by 2003, mm-hmm. he was in two pornographic films. Ooh. Scandalous. Am I right? Scandalous. Really even more scandalous. That same year, he uh, sexually assaulted a disabled woman, a mentally disabled woman at that she at the time was 21, but had the mental capacity of an eight to a 10 year old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So kind of yucky. Um, kind of oh, yucky. Yeah. And he also recorded the whole thing and uh, had her get credit cards and also racked up 10 grand in debt in her name. And, so he's really leaving, yeah. like living up to the Leo stereotype <laughs> of always wanting attention. Um, I'm saying this with like not joking about the victim, but more like him. Like, cause like that. He really likes being recorded. Yeah, yeah. He loves the attention. Yes. And you're you're gonna find very more narcissistic. Of that. Very loves public displaying of everything. Yeah. So you're probably wondering, you know, like what happened in at court, you know? What yeah. What happened at court? Um, well, it was dismissed because his lawyer claimed significant psychiatric issues because both of his parents had mental disabilities. And the judge just let him go. Just See, fucking oh. have a good day. This happens every fucking time. Every fucking true crime case. Bad move, dude. Every fucking time. Every goddamn time. He was recognized by a company, their Fab Magazine. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, he went under, he was posted under the alias Jimmy, uh, where he spoke uh, about wanting to be a homicide officer. Fucking ironic. (laughs) I know. Yeah, so Fab Magazine. And he was like, he was an all right looking guy by August 12th, 2006. Uh, he legally changed his name to Luca Rocco Magnata. All right. I knew someone with the last name Magnata. I'm so sorry. But anything was better than Eric Kirk Newman. So, yeah. Like, at least he went with something else. Wanting to get more attention, as we just said, uh, he started creating many public profiles uh, and accounts and web pages where at one point he was running over 70 web pages. Oh my God. And they were all spreading rumors about Luca Magnata. So he was literally his own like paparazzi kind of thing. Press, though, to him. Oh my god! So sick. So sick. He's so psychotic. Sick. Yeah. I mean, that's that's almost the equivalent of me liking my own TikToks. Okay, no, no, not even close. Because, <laughs> because let me let me tell you, let me tell you this rumor. Okay, all of them are starting rumors about him. Most notably, one where Magnata was in a relationship with convicted murderer Carla Homolka. Oh, what the fuck? That's Carla with a K because that's just a bitchy name. <laughs> Carla. I know a Carla with a K. She's actually the sweetest sweetheart I've ever met. Well, this Carla with a K is a fucking murderer. <laughs> so do with that what you will. Oh, man. Yeah. So literally starting rumors about himself dating a murderer. Well, now he racked up debt in his own name. <laughs> 17 grand in debt. Oh, my God. He tries to apply for bankruptcy. You don't know what he's doing at the exact same time of this whole process. Making pornos. Not quite. Not quite? Real close. Um, he is on reality shows. Who uh, the fuck just... Yeah, so he starts... He appears on Cover Guy and on the plastic surgery show Plastic Makes Perfect. Yeah, so he got through all of that. I do not think he qualified for bankruptcy because of that. And after a trip to Europe with a 70-year-old man... You know, you know I don't judge. You're both adults. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Life. There's a video that surfaces on the internet of a man playing with some kittens. Super duper cute. Well, then he puts the kittens in a bag, puts a vacuum to the bag, and suffocates them. Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now oh. enter the internet sleuths, um, because this became, like, 
an online manhunt. Oh, wow. Because there's someone posting videos murdering animals. And this is not just one video. Actually, I think I may have actually heard this about this case. Yes, you may have heard about this part of the case. Yeah. Because it, it is very well known that, like, the internet helped catch this guy. Yeah. There's a really good Netflix documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats. When the internet is responsible for hunting down the person in the video. The group even made a Facebook page and they even like like putting all the pieces together began to suspect Magnata and he became scared, right? Mm-hmm. I guess I should say a little scared, but not scared enough. Not scared enough to post two more videos of him murdering cats. What the fuck? Fucking disgusting, right? Why 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 harm animals? That's my biggest thing. I don't know what the psychological thing is, but you'll find in many serial killers they go for animals first. It's not just straight to people. Yeah, real quick though, a quick side note. Um I saw a TikTok of someone who works in um like brain neurology, psychology, like that kind of thing. So they study like the anatomy of the brain, the physiological aspect of the brain, as well as the psychology of the brain. Mm -hmm. And they studied 70 different brains from 70 different dead people. And um, a certain number of them were actual like convicted murderers and serial killers. And then there was normal people and they could find like physical evidence of people with abnormal like frontal portions of their brain um, to where those people um, at some point had an injury there at some point yes. because they already had predisposition of not having impulse control or anything like that. Like the, you know, the typical things, but not everyone like, you know, becomes yeah, yeah. a serial killer because they have no impulse yeah, control. Yeah, yeah. Don't, it's not a, don't want to stigmatize anything. Exactly. But like, but, but then they got injured on that free, that, that uh, free cr- prefrontal cortex they got damaged there and then that also contributes to um it, it essentially takes almost all of their impulse control away yeah in the sense of like they start going oh well you know what fuck it i'll become a serial killer well i mean because if, if you have no control it's just like oh well yeah what's gonna happen but there still is no because like they know what they're doing that's the thing so they have some semblance of impulse control because then they can wait. A lot of times they're stalking their prey. Yes. And like and, and that's when it becomes like, okay, this has all been premeditated. This is your Yeah, it's monster. all premeditated. You were just a fucking sociopath. Anyways, continue. Um, oh, I was gonna say, like, in regards to that also, the physical trauma mm-hmm. messes with the brain. But emotional trauma can actually physically alter your DNA. Mm-hmm. Which is the most mind-boggling shit to me. Yeah. Um, I think another reason for the rise of more and more people having um, neurodivergency such as like ADHD and stuff like that is actually from childhood trauma because childhood trauma can cause your brain to chemically change to where it can kind of develop these mental disorder kind of things. Um, But yeah, it's fucking crazy how just how people treat you just change your mental state completely. Yeah, so two more videos of cats getting murdered in 2011. And then after all that, it was a little, little tiny break. Not a, not a big break, a little tiny one. Um, because that in 2012 is when the video was posted of uh, one lunatic, one ice pick. And Jin Lun, I messed up his name. I'm dyslexic. <laughs> Same. Lin Jun. Lin Jun. Was found. And immediately after that video was posted, homeboy. Blood. No. He went to Paris. 
He's a pussy. Yeah, he's a little pussy in Paris. Doesn't want to face the consequences. Um, I don't know why, but both sources, like online, like stated that he used his own passport, which is like kind of weird, but I guess that's important for the for the tracking portion. Yeah, because it's um, a paper trail. Yeah, and so, but the second they found out he was out of the country, because he was prime suspect number one because of the internet, which was fantastic. Yeah, and that and he fucking country. fled. Yeah, so an international manhunt began, mm-hmm. and guess where he was found? Paris. No, different country. Different country? Yeah. Germany. Yes. Hey. <laughs> For some reason, okay, a lot of people either go to Italy, France, Germany, and then there's like one one or two more that they typically go to. But a lot of people flee to Germany for some reason. Because and Germans, the thing is, Germans are like, oh, you're being manhunted for? Bye. Yeah, bye. Literally, like the second he got in. He he entered Berlin. They were like, "Oh hell, to know." Yeah, they're like, "Listen, we already have one crazy psychopath in our history. We yeah, don't we, need we, another. We don't need another. Amen. We, we no more. We've learned from our mistakes. Goodbye." Yeah. So he was arrested in Berlin. So he left May twenty fifth. He was arrested. He was arrested June fourth. His trial would last for twelve weeks. Ten of which were just him telling his little story. So convoluted. So annoying. Literally, no additional information was given. So like a Ted Bundy situation. Well, no, like Ted Bundy like tried to sweet talk his way out of it. He was just yeah, but like he lies. gave he literally gave no substance to the case. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was literally like a one man show. You know, in Chicago where they're putting on the performance with um Billy Flynn and uh Roxy. Have you ever watched Chicago? Nope. It's a musical. It's oh, the best musical oh. in the entire world. It's a good musical. Okay, it's amazing. Chicago. But like Billy Flynn and Roxy, they're doing like their whole shebang and like they're putting on a performance that's essentially what ted bundy was doing yeah um that's exactly <laughs> what he was doing for 10 weeks 10 weeks i me as a me as someone like in the jury or something like that i would have been like um after, after week three i would have been like i literally have anything else better to do after like the first two hours i'd be like um can we just call him guilty and call it a day <laughs> Yeah, so as of 12 weeks, but he was found guilty on all five counts he was being charged with. Murder of the first degree, committing an indignity to a body, harassment of parliament, mailing obscene materials, and publishing obscene materials. Magnata was sentenced to mandatory life in prison with possibility of parole in 25 years. Uh, he is serving his time actually at Fort Cartier Prison in Quebec, Canada. He will be eligible for parole June 5th, 2037. Oh, wow. So not too long from now. Not too long from now. Well, I mean... They can also just say, fuck no. And yeah. Then, and then try again in five years. Yeah. Which I'm assuming will happen because he is a monster who deserves to stay in prison forever. But that is the terrible, absolute no good story of Luca Magnata. Yours was so short, not going to lie. I was well, expecting uh, well, like, more I, detail. I wasn't, I wasn't sure how long tangents were going to be. I wasn't sure how long. This is episode one, you guys. <laughs> episode one. We yeah. may go a bit longer. I have a lot. So, like, for mine, it's kind of long. So, I might make up the next hour. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Because, like, okay. <sighs> Dude, should I just go ahead and, just like, dive in? Right in. Okay, let me go to my notes, right? Look at my fucking notes. I think I've showed you yeah, my notes before. Me. They're oh my really God. nice and detailed. Yes, that and uh, they're divvied out into sections. So like I have the headers and stuff like that. Um, I have a before we begin section. So before we begin, I want to give a shout out and thanks to Steph- uh, Stephanie Harlow uh, for her video on the topic because without it, I would not be able to do dick on this topic. 
And I literally wrote, wouldn't have dick on this topic. <laughs> in my Fabulous. notes. Um, the story around Delphine Lalerie is shrouded in a combination of fact and fiction. Can you pronounce that one more time for me? Delphine Lalerie. Lalori. Lalori. Yeah. I feel like we were supposed to go over pronunciations. I feel like that was a huge part of our plan. Well, I'm going to keep like mispronouncing all these fucking names because it's French. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll keep correct. It's okay. <laughs> That's my job. You're like, you're like Pierre. Pierre. <laughs> See, I know Pierre. Yeah, easy, easy, easy. Lalori. 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 It just looks like Larry to me. Larry. The La Larry. Larry. <laughs> uh, Larry. Larry. That is a weird spelling. Yes. Okay. So it is extremely hard to find all the facts about Larry's mansion. Um, especially it's so fucking hard to find all the facts because, okay, let me tell you, I, when I say I did research, I did fucking research, but in like most of the places that had the most accurate amount of information were behind a paywall and I am poor. So I, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I did notice that. So a lot of the really good sources have a paywall and, um, I was looking for free. So thank God. And this is why I'm giving a huge shout out to Stephanie Harlow. Because thank fucking God for her video. Because she went so in-depth. But many people want to explain why LaLaurie was a terrible person by saying it's because of her parents. Her parents uh, were killed by slave uh, rebellions. Or that her mother was also a cruel person and beat the shit out of her slaves. But there is just not a lot of evidence to support these claims. There really isn't much evidence at all to say why she did it in the first place. And we may never know, actually. But I have a few theories based on all my research. Here's my theory. She's a fucking monster. That's well, what that. Okay, so, I, so I'm a firm believer that monsters are both born and created. Yeah, can either, either can happen. Because mm -hmm. you find people in fine families and you find people in destroyed families. Exactly. Both of which can become serial killers. Serial killers. So Madame Lalaurie was a uh, Lalaurie. Lalaurie was born on March 19th of 1787. What zodiac sign is that? March 17th? Mm-hmm. Um, that is... Oh, goodness. I don't know. It's the same one as my sister, too. And I don't know what my sister is. It's a water sign. It's a Pisces. Yes, Pisces. Miss Madame Lalaurie was uh, born as Marie Delphine McCarty. In New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, her family originated from Ireland, shockingly, um, and she was a member of a large, wealthy, and socially powerful McCarty clan. Um, now, there was like a whole bunch of details on like their last names that was like, it went from McCarty to D. McCarty and so on and so forth, but like, we're just gonna reference it as McCarty because that's what is like the thing on her birth certificate or whatever it is. Um, this claim was made up of military officers, uh, planters, merchants, all that wealthy 1700s fucking billionaire people. And in this family, both female and male members owned and managed extensive real estate and many slaves. This name trips me up because I want to read it as Bartholomew or Bartholomew. Spell it. But it's Bartholomew. So it's like B-A-R. T-H-E-L-E-M-Y. Um, but Bartholomew D. McCarty uh, brought his family to New Orleans from Ireland around 1730 during the French colonial, uh, colonial period. No, that's a stupid word. I don't blame <clears throat> you for that. Colonial. Colonial. 
colonel. You ever read the word colonel, like a like a military colonel? Yeah. <sighs> I hate it. Dyslexia. Dyslexia is a biatch. Her great grandfather fled uh, to escape the political and religious tyranny imposed by the English monarchs. Her grandfather, Bartholomew Daniel McCarty, Im- immigrated to Louisiana in the colony's infancy. Okay, so Louisiana has like a shit ton of fucking history. And I mean like a shit ton of fucking history. That is true. But yeah, I'm not going to go into the history about it just to conserve like time. But in saying that, when Delphine's great or when Delphine's grandfather settled in Louisiana, it was nothing but like wooden shacks surrounded by like a shit ton of swamp. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So essentially what Florida was at one point. Yeah, but it was the bayou. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was surrounded by swamps uh, with a population of about 4,800 with 3,659 of these being slaves. Oh. Yes. So just, okay, let me, let me do quick maths because I did the math originally, but I didn't write it down. But it's fucking insane. The fucking ratio of slave to slave owner was insane. Well, considering at least 75% of that was slaves. Yes. Okay. So calculator. So there's a total of 4,800 subtract 3,659. That's 1,141 slave owners. So So, if you divide 4,000 by the 3,000 number. I'll give you the exact percentage. That's set. That's over seventy six percent of the population of Louisiana being was being slaves. Holy shit! That's three fourths of the population. Well, I do remember Lalori. She had a shit ton. Oh yeah, she had a lot. Okay, I'm about to get into that too. So not only were there a shit ton of fucking slaves in Louisiana at the time, um, specifically, I think it was like New Orleans. Delphine's grandfather had 11 children. He was putting in work, right? One of them was uh, Delphine's father, Louis Bartholomew D. McCarty. I'm just going to call him Louis. 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 Oh, my God. Peter. In 1769, when Louisiana went, when Louisiana went from being under French control to being under Spanish control, a lot of its residents pushed back against this, except for Delphine's family, which only caused them to get more rich and powerful. So essentially the main reason why they even like sided with the Spanish was just to be more rich and powerful. Amen. (laughs) So I'm sure personally, they did not give two shits who fucking owned Louisiana. They're like, as long as we're making money and we can have our slaves, we don't give a fuck. Louis married Mary Jean La Rabel, Larabelle. I have no idea how to. sounds right. Larabelle, also known as the widow Le Comte. C O M T E. Comte. Is either Comte or Comte. I do not speak French. <laughs> Neither do I. No French for Andrew. She was called this as her marriage to Louis B. McCarty was her uh, second. So she was a widow before she got married for the second time. They had two children. A son and a daughter. The daughter was Delphine, obviously. Um, So from my research, it kept saying that Delphine was one of five children. And as we get more into talking about the family and like kind of the customs in Louisiana during this period, um, I think my theory on Delphine's other three siblings being um, mixed is kind of there because 
like no there's no other mention of her other siblings other than uh what was the brother's name oh, i don't even remember but like her brother like her brother was like mentioned by name and then there was her and then that was it like the rest of her siblings not even mentioned by name so that's what makes me think that they were like children of one of the slaves so or of multiple slaves who knows mary had an indigo plantation on the mississippi river and the couple began to build an empire during this time period many areas around the world slave uprisings were even were ever present and many uh people feared that their own slaves would turn on them um gee i wonder why now delphine's uncle uh by marriage was killed by slaves uh on his plantation in 1771 and this is also one of the theories on why delphine hates slaves is because that one of her uncles got killed by one um but also reportedly it almost seemed like she was she just didn't care i don't know she was very aloof with her emotions so not many things were talked about about her yeah code nor um have you ever heard of it Mm, I cannot say I have. So essentially the quick rundown of the Code Noir is essentially a guidebook on how you should be treating your slaves, what rights slaves have. Um, Actually, like for its time, this is actually pretty progressive. Still shit. Yeah, like, I'm sure. Like, like they still had like very little to know. Slaves and because I know like they had to feed them. And yeah, like, like there, there was like a specific standard you have to have your slaves in because it was almost like um, show dogs. Yes. Yeah. Or or, or more fittingly, like, like hunting, cows. hunting dogs. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So in my mind, like whenever uh, this was being talked about or like whenever I was doing my research and I read about this, I was like, so essentially slaves during that time was like hunting dogs, literally treated like hunting dogs. Disgusting. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to read a little bit of information about Code Noir. It was originally passed by King Louis the, what is that? The 14th? What is yeah. it? XIV? Yeah, XIV. Nice. Yeah, 14th. In 1685. Said many things like Jewish people can't live in French colonies. All slaves must be baptized in the Roman Catholic religion. If a free man fathers a child with a slave woman and he was unmarried, he was expected to marry the woman, thus freeing her and her offspring from slavery. Whoa. I know. I never I never knew that. I mean, I'm sure no one followed that. Um, I know. Actually, a lot of people did. It was oh. very common. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. Wow. But why do you think they would just like abandon the slave or the, the child? So one thing that was common with slave owners was that they would kind of like rent out their slaves. Yes. So other people could use their slaves for like a lot of period of time negotiated by both slave owners. And that person will, you know, use the slave for whatever reason and a lot of the times slaves were either like, I don't ever th- want to think that slaves were actually in consensual relationships because it was a very big power and diff- like power oh, yeah, imbalance, yeah, 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 yeah. but quote unquote consensual because essentially they're manipulated into that. Um, or they were just essentially raped. Yeah. Um, and guess what? If the slave woman ends up becoming pregnant you just send her back to her slave owner 
and not a problem. Not anymore. a problem. <laughs> because especially if that slave owner is notorious for renting out her slaves constantly. You know what yeah, I mean? You'll, you'll never know. Exactly. You don't know who the father is. So therefore you just have a child out of wedlock as a slave. And what the slave owner does to the slave and the child is kind of behind closed doors. So that's very yucky. Very terrible. Absolutely horrendous. So if he was married and had a child with the slave, he would be fined and also would the slave master. And if the man is in question, was the slave master and married, he would still be fined. But the slave and any resulting children of the union would be removed from his ownership, but not freed. It also dictated that slaves were not allowed to carry weapons except with their master's permission. I didn't know that. I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit of fact. Because um, yeah, I'm sure that could be like go out in the woods and kill a cow or whatever. Yeah. So like the Civil War and stuff like that, a lot of slaves were put into yeah, a the lot war. Of, a lot of slaves. So some participated for the North and some volunteered for the South. Yeah. The master would be expected to feed and clothe their slaves properly, even if they were elder elderly or sick um and if a master ever falsely accused a slave who was then put to death he would be fined masters who killed their slaves could be punished keyword could be so a lot of times what it was is that to get around all these rights and laws that slaves had um that were written by white men rich white men rich white men rich white men men um, essentially, they could just throw money at the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. essentially, like what they do today. Wow, how topical. full circle the circle of love. Anywho, under Spanish rules, slaves had met, uh more autonomy than before, but that still isn't really saying much. Um, yeah, because, more than before because like all they had before was a nickel. Now they have a, oh, a dime. Yeah, I know. Um, slaves. There was still like taboos like you were allowed to beat your slaves and just be terrible people towards your slaves. But like what Madame Larie did, um, that really like in, like infuriated everyone. So although slaves could now sell themselves out, sell things that they have made and families who were um, all enslaved could not be separated and sold off to different owners. Um, if someone was to beat a slave, they would have to pay a fine, which most of the time I'm sure they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the slave was injured to where they could not work for a period of time, then the person had to pay a fine and two do and two dollars for every day the slave does not work. Oh. Um, yeah. So, Why? um, because that's money lost in the plantation. So, like that, I I'm sure they got the estimate based on productivity of slaves and how much profit and revenue the person would make. Oh, do you think this is like in regards to taxes? Well, not just taxes, but like the um, potential loss of profit. Yeah, you know, and so what I'm confused as is if the slaves can't work, that person is losing money and they have to pay a fine? No, okay, so this is kind of like in regards to if someone had beaten your slave so like let's say i have a slave and you got angry at it because like i told it to go shopping for me and it accidentally like breathes oh. in your direction and you beat it to where like my slave can't work anymore so then i have to pay that yeah fine. so you have oh. to pay the fine as well as two dollars for every day that the slave can't work the, like i said all of these laws were literally written for rich white people yeah it was literally just for rich white people avoidable with money exactly 
And if the slave is killed or cannot work anymore, so like they cannot work anymore at all, like they just can't heal, then the person has to pay the value of the slave as well as jail time for no less than one year. Wow. Yeah, for no less than one year. But um, that's still kind of shitty because you killed someone. Yeah. So it's like and most of the time they just threw money at the issue. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, like very few like people. If I, if I killed your slave and we had zero morals like these people did. I'd just be like, hey, be give like, me one of your like youngins and shit. Like, or, that's essentially what they did. And like 10 bucks and then we'll call it even. Yeah, like I'll trade you a mule for one of your child slaves. That's essentially what they did. Oh. At this time, there was a shortage of marriageable women. And also it was not uncommon to see relationships between white men and enslaved women. It was common practice for men in these relationships to recognize the children that came from their unions um, or from these unions by claiming paternity and putting them in their wills. So that's that I never knew that. Like putting like the children. Yeah. So like not Whoa. only like so like not only if like the man was unmarried or yeah. So like if they got married. Right. Like she would that woman would be a free a free person. And um, the child would be would be recognized as like legitimate instead of, you know, like a bastard or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Delvin had many men and family who partook in this practice, and this could potentially be motive for her crimes. So there was this that could be potentially motive for her crimes. There was the uncle that was killed by an uprising of slaves that could be motive for her crimes. Um there's a few things that could potentially be motives, but I think it's just like a combination of things that could potentially, because also her marriages was not all sunshine and rainbows. And we're going to about to get into the first husband of Delphine. I'm telling you this, this is long as fuck. There's a lot of information on this shit. It's okay. I'm happy to hear. Cause not only is like, it's her case, but it's also like the history of like Louisiana. Yeah. And everything that goes on there. Yeah. And like the context and shit. So on June 11th of the, of 1800, Delphine got married to her first husband, uh, widower Don Ramon de Lopez E. Angelo. He was a high ranking Spanish Royal officer. So he was, he, he bougie. She snatched herself, um, a bougie man. But at the same time, she was only 13 and he was already in his 30s, in his mid 30s. So there's that. <laughs> Could also be motive. Well, like I said, there's not much information on like her reaction to things. But it seemed like that she was so privileged enough to where she understood her role kind of thing. Maybe. But also I'd like to think about you're 13. You're a literal fucking child, not even like in the 17th Well, she was sense. very like, quote unquote, and I hate when people use this term, but like, quote unquote, mature for her age because she was very like calculating. Yeah. Well, She's I mean, always kind she of been that way. a vindictive psycho later. So. I know. She was always aloof and calculating and stuff like that, but she was a partier. Um, me too. Within this marriage, there was only one child born. Um, this was her first child. So their marriage lasted for four years before Dawn died under suspicious circumstances. Don arrived in New Orleans in late 1799. So she was only 17 when he died? Yes. Whoa. Yeah, so she was a widower by not, 17. I did not know that. Yeah, she was a widower by 17 years old. <sighs> Fucking crazy. But literally, his death, like, made her a fortune. So. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he I'm was not... a high-ranking military soldier in the Spanish 
as a Spanish officer. Like, yeah, you're fucking loaded. But let me tell you how he fucking dies, because it's kind of crazy. So it's not like super crazy, Did but it's kind of crazy. Back then? Um, well, it's like based on uh, travel records and mm-hmm. stuff like that, because he died traveling. Um, so their marriage lasted for four years. He died of, under suspicious circumstances. Um, Don arrived in New Orleans in late of 1799 on a long ship voyage where his wife and many other people died. So he literally became a widow before landing in New Orleans. And he was not like in New Orleans for a long time before he got married to Delphine. When he arrived to New Orleans, he was wined and dined by many families who were high up and influential in in society, including the McCartys. It isn't known if he started the relationship with Delphine or if it was arranged by Delphine's parents. But it was said that once their relationship turned sexual, he was compelled to marry her as soon as possible. Otherwise, there would be scandal. It is very common at this time that girls as young as 12 were married off. Um, and the main reason for that is like as soon as that they would start their menstrual, menstrual cycle. Have you ever heard the term like here in the South where it's like if she's old enough to bleed, she's old enough for me? That very pedophilic saying. Ew. Yeah, that's a saying here in the South. Ew. Yeah. Oh. But that's where it comes from is like as soon yeah. as women, yeah, it's time to start popping out children. Yeah. I shouldn't even say women. As soon as girls started yeah, their menstrual cycle, they would like just marry off. And it wasn't even to like people close to their age. It was like men who were in their thirties and forties, triple, double, triple, quadruple their fucking age. Like men would be in their sixties and marrying fucking 12 year olds. They can't even have children at that point. The men have gone sterile from old age. <laughs> And men don't live to their 60s in the 1700s. Sometimes they do. I know, sometimes. Very they. rarely. So actually, the reason that the, um, I found this out, the reason that the, uh, like, the death thing was so, like, much lower than we think is not because people died in their 50s. It's because there were so many infant births. Mm-hmm. So it would just, like, drastically drop the average. Yeah. But according to Spanish law, Don would have to be or would be required to seek royal permission before uh, he married a local girl. And it's a very weird, weird reason. Right. So the reason why they wanted special permission for anyone who's associated with like the royal like royal officer kind of thing um, before they can marry and stuff like that is so that way that they wouldn't like collude with the locals and be like turned so it's essentially like remember where you're from and this and that and yada yada like this the spanish pride kind of thing so they're just silly they're just silly gooses (laughs) silly gooses silly geese i mean it's not the worst thing that they could do like i mean it just it just prolongs the process of getting married okay yeah essentially like you're like hey can i marry this person and they're like yeah or nay so but it's got to be like formal yeah yeah so they like you have to get permission or else you can like it's punishable by either exile or death or whatever yeah holy shit though yeah so he did request permission from the crown on april 25th um but when he didn't get a response quick enough he married Delphine anyways so he was like um this is taking too long it's literally been three days and i know it takes forever for a letter to come back but like Three days is long enough. I need to marry this girl now because this pussy be popping. I'm sure that's probably what he was. He was probably thinking like "Mm, young pussy. Exactly what he was thinking. Like, oh, she won't leave. Plus also like a super powerful and rich family. 
So, and I'm pretty sure that's most main, the main reasons for like all of Delphine's marriages was that yeah. the men married her for her fucking status and money and shit like that. So that can also be motive number two or three at this point. He felt that there was no reason why permission wouldn't be granted to him, but only after seven months of their marriage on January 7th, 1801, a message from Spain did arrive and he was not granted permission to marry Delphine. He actually found out or they actually found out about their union and required him to return to Spain and answer for himself. He took Delphine with him. Um, in Spain of 1802, uh, Don was exiled and given a desk job as punishment. And he literally, okay, so the way it was explained is that this man was such a bitch boy <laughs> to where when they give him this desk job, he complained the entire fucking time and constantly wrote letters to like some motherfucker that was like influential and was like, hey, listen, I'm a fucking officer. I shouldn't be treated this way. I can't stand another fucking moment in this goddamn desk job kind of thing. Situation. He was literally throwing a hissy fit. Literally me though. <laughs> By 1804, he was pardoned. Um, maybe because they were tired of hearing him bitch all the fucking time because he's a fucking bitch boy. Again, literally me. <laughs> he began to sail back to Spain. Um, oh, by the way, like they they like exiled him to some other country, which I forgot to take note of, but it to me it doesn't really fucking matter. He was exiled, he was there, and Delphine was still in Spain. So Delphine like stayed in Spain this whole fucking time. Like she was she was just there with her child all alone in Spain. And like no, like, so there's not a lot known, like, what Delphine was doing at this time. There's a lot, like, not known about Delphine, period, in general. So there's that. So Delphine was still in Spain while he was in exile. He finally got pardoned. And so he went back to Spain, but his ship hit a sandbar and capsized by Havana, uh, Cuba, and he died on his way back to Delphine. Wow. Yeah. So that is literally how he fucking died. Just, he bitched so fucking much. And because he was pardoned, they were like, yeah, come back, fuck it. And then ah, died in the middle of the fucking ocean. Titanic style. Wow. So Delphine requested that his body was uh, preserved in salt so that he could be given a proper burial. A few days after his death, Delphine gave birth to her daughter. So like the daughter, so the baby wasn't even born yet. So here she was barefoot and pregnant in a foreign fucking country as her husband was being a little bitch boy complaining and shit and on his way back to Spain just fucking dies. You know what I mean? Leaving her alone to raise this fucking child. She had her daughter after the uh, burial of her husband and the baptism of her daughter, Delphine sailed back to new Orleans where she lived with her parents on their plantation. So there is no records about how the marriage between them actually was. So like if they fought, if they communicated, like if they were happy, if they were unhappy, if it was just like, eh, we're together, like neutral kind of thing. Um, whether they loved each other, hated each other, whatever it was, mm -hmm. there was like just no information. Nice. Now we move on to the second husband of Delphine. Ooh. She was putting in work. So while she'd been gone, Louisiana had changed hands again and was now a colony of the United States of America. In June of 1808, uh, Delphine was 20 years old at the time and married Jean-Paul. 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 She married Jean-Paul, uh, who was 43 and a widower. So she's marrying all these widowers, right? 
Um, and she's only 20. Jean-Paul was a prominent banker, merchant, lawyer, and a legislator. Jack of all trades. Exactly. He was also a slave trader and friends of pirates. Wow. So he, he got all of his bases covered. Exactly. So he was literally the extreme definition of a dirty, dirty politician. Yes. He was one of the very first <laughs> dirty politicians at the time. I'm, I'm just kidding. And he's like complains about things getting stolen, but is also friends with pirates. Like. Exactly. Uh, so he was a Frenchman, if you couldn't tell by his fucking name, uh, who had settled in New Orleans after the Louisiana Purchase. When he married Delphine, he acquired a considerable dowry of $13,000. Um, that is $613,000 in today's money. That's a lot of fucking money I for a fucking it. dowry. Yeah, that is. Um, but like, honestly, I'd be down. <laughs> if, if someone bought me that, I would not complain. Um, so now Delphine and John, John Paul, uh, were really fucking rich. <laughs> That's literally in my notes. Now Delphine and John were really fucking rich. They inherited money from Delphine's mother, her mother's indigo plantation on the Mississippi River, 52 slaves, livestock, and farming equipment that went along with the plantation. But her father, as a wedding present, because why the fuck not, also gave the couple another plantation and a house full of furnishings, as well as 26 more slaves and a lot on Sarchus Street. It's somewhere in Louisiana. Altogether, the couple were worth $2 million in today's money. The dream. $2 million fucking dollars. Like, I know today, like, the 1% is, like, worth way more. But at that time, well, to not be even worth that. $2 like, million. $2 million dollars you've set for life. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, literally, these people were so fucking rich that they could do anything that they fucking wanted. So not only did Delphine get married and mind you, she's only 20 years old at this point. She's 20 fucking years old and worth two million fucking dollars with a shit ton of slaves, two plantations and a fucking lot of land. Like, that's a lot of fucking shit for no fucking reason. That is literally silver spoon in the mouth. At the end of the marriage. Uh, Jean-Paul purchased a townhouse at nine or four. I almost said 904 <laughs> at 409 Royal Street in New Orleans for the family, which became known later as the Villa Blanc. He purchased this house because it was close to the bank of Louisiana where he worked. The couple mainly lived in the townhouse. Uh, the couple had four children together, three daughters, one son between the years of 1809 and 1815. So Jean-Paul was like really fucking smart and powerful that the U.S. government viewed him as a th national threat. Listen, like to have a husband that fucking powerful. So I think with her first husband, she was like, OK, whatever. This is short lived, you know, somewhat traumatic in the sense of like she got knocked up and then like he just dies. Like literally for most of their marriage, they were not together for her yeah. first husband because they were together for like four fucking years. But yet only like seven months into their marriage where they're actually together. And then like he was exiled. So for like three, yeah. So for three and a half years, she was like by herself pregnant, whatever, or not three and a half years. I don't it remember. Couldn't been, it couldn't have been more than nine months. They were separated in from the Spain. Yeah. Because she got pregnant with his baby. Maybe she, I can't remember. I'm, there's so many fucking facts about this case that like, anyways, but they were like together for a very short period of time. And it's just, Fucking crazy how she's traumatized by that being married off young as fuck. Now, literally like 13, 14 years old and pregnant. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just fucking crazy. And now your current husband, who you also probably don't even want to be married to. Super fucking powerful, super fucking rich. Is now a threat to the country you live in. Yes. And like, and, and the only reason why they consider him a threat is because he's just so smart and so powerful. And he's just a dirty politician. Smart businessman. Eight years after their marriage, uh, Jean died in 1815 at the age of 50. Delphine was 28 and a widow again for the second time. So now she's a very rich widow. Yes. But not for long. (laughs) Not for long. When Jean died, he was so in debt that she had to go to court and legally separate her estates from his. So their property and assets and stuff like that from his since she was a single mother. Um, His debt was about $2.5 million. And the courts allowed her to sell off any of his stuff to pay off the debt. And that would include the townhouse he had bought for them because it was in his name and not hers. Wow. Yeah. So now she was worth only about half of what um, they were together. So, but luckily enough, there was enough um, legal stuff to where she wasn't like, you know, bankrupt and yeah, 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 yeah. So now we get to the period of time before Delphine's third marriage. Between the death of Jean and her marriage to her third husband, eight of her slaves had died. Four have died in the summer and four had died in the winter. Uh, Their deaths were speculated to be caused by the weather conditions because summer in Louisiana, well, in the South in general, is so fucking hot and humid and like there's... And even to this day, there's a lot of deaths from like heat strokes and stuff like that. Like even just here in Florida. Now do now super hot weather in the swamplands, even worse. And then of course in the winter, you know, you freeze to death, that kind of stuff. Their cause of death were never documented, but only that they had died and when. So these slaves were either women or children, women of childbearing age or children. So we're seeing a pattern here. Yes, yes, yes. It's the beginning of the cycle. So what I'm assuming is that this is kind of the start to Delphine's very brutal, very sadistic behavior towards her slaves. So not only was her uncle killed by an uprise of slaves, but also she there was her family members legitimizing mixed children there was her first husband where she literally had like zero time with him before the child was even born she was like all alone in a foreign country and then her first and then her second husband which i'm assuming if he's going to be a dirty politician he's also not going to be a good husband now he's not he's probably just going to constantly throw money at the fucking problem i personally suspect that there was discourse in the marriage but of course there's nothing to prove that there's nothing to say that so this is just my theory yeah, 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 and especially since he died and left her in such debt that was another stressor and now that she has like what four fucking kids at this no five kids at this point five fucking kids plus you're in debt plus like your marriage was probably not that great and at the time it was acceptable to beat your slaves um yeah. recipe for disaster so Delphine's father died in 1824 and is uh, what actually saved her for, from financial ruin. 
So her and her brother divided their father's estate equally, and this brought her back into the black before the marriage of her third husband. So this is where things really start to go fucking south with her third husband. So Leonard Louis Nicholas Lallery, that's a mouthful of a name. Um, I'm just going to call him Leonard. Or Lenny for short. Lenny. Uh, he was born in France in the, uh, to a middle class family. So he had no status, no riches, none of that shit, like nothing. He was middle class. So he wasn't like super poor, but he wasn't rich. So not the typical man that Delphine has married so far. By 21, he studied medicine at Sorbonne, Sorbonne, like S-O-R-B-O-N-N-E. I've got nothing. Sorbonne. I'm just going to say Sorbonne. I'm assuming that's a medical school at that time. Um, And by age 22, he was studying at the University of Toulouse. Toulouse? 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 Well. T-O-U-L-O-U-S-E. Toulouse. I think it's Toulouse. Anyways, he was studying medicine at a university. Um, In October of 1824, he sailed off to Louisiana to seek out his fortune. So he already had in mind that he wanted to be rich. Like he, him and his brother both wanted to get out of their middle class life and be rich. So they wanted to be new money instead of old money. He lied about being a licensed doctor on his voyage to Louisiana. And even, uh, even though he wasn't, um, he had no, he had fucking no license for that shit whatsoever. He was only studying medicine. Um, so let that be so so he lies to get what he wants also he claimed that he had some special techniques to remove humps from backs so and this is what caused him to meet delphine because one of delphine's daughter had a hump on her back right Mm -hmm. so and this is how delphine and leonard met and soon later became romantically involved she was 38 at the time so he was like in his early 20s, early to mid 20s, and she was like in her late 30s. It is unsure if Leonard truly loved Delphine or if he was only interested in Delphine's money, power, status and society, that kind of stuff, um, because there was letters back and forth between Leonard and his brother where his brother was like, hey, if you can like get the hump out of Delphine's back or out of Delphine's like daughter's back, you can get that cash. You can get that bag. So suck up to her like be her friend fuck it fuck her (laughs) like that kind of shit so the brother was definitely like hey medicine's the way to go to be rich but also if you can be friends with rich people along while you're at it be be a schmoozer he began pulling uh further away from his own family though the closer him and delphine got and delphine became pregnant with his child um in the late in late of 1826 so this is her sixth child which crazy enough so many sources are saying like oh she only had five children right but when you're adding up the math from her one from her first husband four from her second husband and now this one from her third husband she had six so i don't know where that missing child is (laughs) there's just one unaccounted for in all these other sources but i digress on August 13th of 1826, Delphine gave birth to her sixth child. This would be her second son. So she has 
uh, two sons and what, four daughters? That's a lot of bitches. Delphine and Leonard got married five months after the birth of their son. Their son was baptized there shortly after. Delphine was worth $1.5 million by the time they were married. So not as much as before, but still pretty fucking rich. And the main reason why they kind of had their son first before they got married is so that way, um, or at least baptized the son after they had gotten married and stuff is because if they had had the child and then immediately had him baptized, then it would have been a scandal and be like, oh my gosh, like, cause you can go through baptism records and marriage records and be like, oh shit, ain't adding up the math ain't mathin. Um, you had this child out of wedlock, shame, shame on you. Um, that kind of thing. And they love the social life. They, she was a true socialite. Uh, she loved throwing parties. She loved, you know, doing dinners, all that kind of stuff. So Leonard was described as being meek and mousy. So not like the other two husbands, very, you know, prideful and, you know, go after what they want and courageous and all that kind of shit. Yeah. He just had no spine. Delphine's oldest daughter was only two years younger than her new stepfather. Two years younger. Wow. Yeah. Fucking two years younger. That's fucking insane. It was considered a scandal for an older woman to marry a younger man. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. When you had said he was in his mid-20s and she was in her late 30s, I was like, she what? Yes. So it was like a big scandal, especially since. So like getting married out of your social standing is like not super scandalous. Like it's still a scandal. It's like, I wouldn't recommend it, but like nothing terrible is going to happen. Yeah. Like they're like, oh my gosh, did you hear like. He's a baker and she's a socialite. Like, oh my God. But like, that would be the end of it. Gossip goes away. But like, because that she was older and he was younger, scandal, scandal all around. Uh, They lived together at the McCarty plantation with all of her children. The marriage soon shortly showed strains or signs of strain. Um, however, according to gossip, the couple had a rough marriage. There was a lot of fighting and bickering, especially since he was younger than her. And finally, in 1831, Delphine built the house that today is known as the Haunted Lallery Mansion. <sighs> That's a lot of information before, like, building up to the fucking actual goddamn murders yeah. and shit like that. But I promise it's relevant. It's relevant in its own way. So... The Lollary Mansion. So this is just like mostly information about the mansion in itself. So built in 1831 at 1140 Royal Street on the corner of Governor Nichols Street, formerly known as Hospital Street. The house was originally two stories with a hipped slat, with a hipped roof and dormers. There was an enclosed courtyard behind the residence where the slaves of the house would go and do their daily chores. There was also a multi-story service wing and uh, that extended from the back of the house that would have contained the kitchen and the slave quarters. So the house was filled with a shit ton of like lavish furnishings and an um, expensive art and a lot of like bougie shit. The couple loved throwing lavish parties and it was uh, pretty clear that it was with Delphine's money since Leonard hadn't successfully set himself up as a doctor yet. So he kind of a bum. 
Yo, <laughs> the dream. Deadbeat. On the outside, the couple made it seem as though they had a happy marriage when in fact they did not. On November 16th of 1832, Delphine petitioned the first judicial district court for a separation from bed and board of her husband, in which Delphine claims that Lalaurie had treated her in such a manner as, as to render their living together unsupportable. The claims were supported by her son and two of her daughters. The separation does not seem to have been permanent as Dr. Lalaurie was uh, present at the Royal Street House on April 10th of 1834, the day of the fire. Delphine recounted on on a specific date um, of October 26th where Leonard had, in the presence of many others, beat and wounded her very badly. So he was abusive. He was physically abusive. I'm sure he was also mentally and emotionally abusive. So at this point, it's like Delphine seemingly cannot get a break with in her life. And that does not excuse the fact of what she did. It's just more like it's starting to kind of make a little bit more sense on how she ended up in the situation yeah, when she did. Yeah, it together. So, and that's assuming that she was mentally i personally saying mentally disturbed in the first place because most people who end up doing this kind of stuff is already kind of mentally disturbed well i feel like there's a difference between a murder like even out of revenge and then like brutally torturing people oh yeah this was like sheer out of like her own sick pleasure yeah um, there's this myth that white women were extremely empathetic and charismatic towards their slaves because they're like oh we're in the same boat in the sense of like we're both oppressed um, no. <laughs> no, yeah, no, 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 no. Delphine did free some of her slaves. In 1828, she freed her children's nurse. In 1832, Delphine and Leonard freed their uh, shoemaker after years of loyal service as an example that good behavior brings rewards. I bet it does. Totally. It totally does. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're about to tell me what all these amazing rewards are. <laughs> well... You're free, whatever that means. You can't vote, though, no. and you can't own property, no. and you can't do this, and you can't do that. Like, you literally can't do shit when you're free. So, but you're free by name. Delphine was never accused of mistreatment of her slaves until after her marriage with Leonard. So it seems like when she got married to Leonard, that's when things really, like, had a huge downfall for her again, but I'm sure before her marriage, she was already unstable in the sense of like her impulse control, her anger, all that kind of shit. Cause I'm sure she was angry about a lot of shit. Oh yeah. I'm like for certain she was, I'm not going to say that she didn't have right to be angry, but at the same time, she didn't have right to be her slaves and kill them. Especially those eight initial slaves that were women of ch childbearing age and children. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely fucking horrible. Oh, another theory that I forgot to mention when I was I was going to mention this um whenever I said that like most of the most of the uh slaves that she killed the the original 8. So I have a theory that either her first husband or her second husband, but I'm pretty sure her second husband. I'm sure her second husband was really into um having sexual relations with slave women but probably didn't um, own any of the children. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So he probably would keep it a secret that like he potentially had children with these women that were in his custody and stuff. Um, so because that to me would seem almost so random to single out women and children, specifically women of childbearing age and children. So yeah. that to me makes it almost seems like either she was a jealous wife or she knew something. Yeah. So, well, that's why that's what I kind of meant by like being a jealous wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that, it's like that's too targeted. That's too specific and specifically four and four, like four in the summer four in the winter. And I don't know how long within this time frame that went on for, but fucking weird. Now, this part, there's not a lot of hyper specifics about what was actually found in the slave quarters when they did find the slaves and discover what she was doing. But essentially, let's just say that people were projectile vomiting when they saw. Yeah, yeah. There was I, a reason there was a fucking riot for her head. Yeah, it was pretty disgusting from my research a couple of years ago when I was looking. Oh, at yeah. It. it was. Yeah. And there's not. And it's not like they had like taken pictures of it either. Yeah, yeah. And so even just like if the description is enough to make me nauseous, I can't imagine what they felt like when they saw it. Yeah. So in 1828, it was recorded that after being accused of mistreating her slaves, the authorities entered her house and found them all bloody and being given only the basic necessities needed to live, but they were in very bad condition. Uh, She was not charged with anything, unfortunately. After a jury concluded there was no proof, quote unquote, no proof. And no witnesses had come forward claiming to have seen her beat her slaves with her own hands. So I think it's mostly the fact that, like, people probably feared her power and her prestige. Well, not only that, but she, like, legitimately, she has, like, a very well-respected family, as well as, like, a lot of political power, social power. Even if you think about it, like, she was a woman. There's no woman strong enough to be a man of any kind you know yeah there's i'm sure that was also a play since the jury you could not be a woman on jury you could only be a man exactly and that it's so crazy so crazy it was said that she would loan out her slaves who would work for a wage which is not uncommon um but then she would demand that they return home in the evening and bring their wages home to her so she would literally take all of the money no profit for them Um, If they did not make enough or they came home too late, she would confine them to a cellar and put them in chains, only only visiting to uh, practice her cruelty on them. So essentially she was doing all sorts of unspeakable things. So in 1832, she was indicted again for her mistreatment of her slaves, but the charges was thrown away after she threw money at the problem. (laughs) Yeah. The I'm, I'm sensing a common theme. Here. <laughs> Very common now, theme. I'm no English major, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I oh I just there's a recurring pattern. I'm no mathematician, but the math is mathing. The math is in fact mathing at this point. Which yes. it wasn't earlier, but now it is. <laughs> yeah. So A yeah. plus B equals C. Exactly. Exactly. Look at us being fucking Einsteins over here. There was a rumor that one of Delphine's slave girls named Leah 
uh, was brushing Delphine's hair and accidentally pulled it. This supposedly threw Delphine in a fit of rage and she chased Leah around the house with a whip. Uh, She had chased her to an outside balcony where Leah fell to her death. The body was subsequently buried on the mansion grounds. Now, this is just a rumor. This is just like a little myth, a little rumor. I had heard that she didn't chase her off. Like she had the like option from the rumor I read and she had the option to like return. She's like, oh, like I'm over that. Mm-hmm. And homegirl was like, screw this and jumped. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so many rumors around Delphine and what she did, especially thereafter, because the Louisiana was in such disarray in the sense of like there was so much outrage to where um, literally no one kind of did due diligence in the sense of reporting. Until after she had already, like... Well, and you know dang sure she wasn't keeping records of anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. She was not like the serial killers in which, like, they kept souvenirs and shit like that. You know, she was just like, yeah, let's see what happens when I do this. Exactly. It's proven uh, with records that 20 slaves have died in Delphine's home. Most of them were women and children. So we're seeing another pattern here. 20 fucking slaves. I mean... When you compare it to how many slaves she actually had, that's not a lot, but it's still 20 fucking slaves. Your property. Exactly. Died. Exactly. And that's proven. That's only like actual proven. Those are numbers of like. That we can prove with records. Now imagine how many people actually fucking died. The ones that were just not reported, no records, the things that they couldn't find. Or things that she threw money at. Exactly. Funeral uh, registers between 1830 and 1834 uh, document the deaths of 12 slaves at the Royal Street Mansion, although the cause of death are not mentioned. Again, with the not mentioned cause of deaths. Uh, These 12 deaths include Bonnie, a cook and a laundress, and her four children. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. That's not suspicious to anyone. Exactly. That's why that's why I have that theory of like her second husband cheating on her with these slaves and she's like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I've yeah. already popped out four of your fucking kids and now you want fucking more with these slaves? Like what the hey? It's terrible. So Juliet died, Florence, Jules. That's a pretty name. These are all such pretty names. April 10th of 1834, a fire broke out in the Lallerie residence on Royal Street, starting in the kitchen. When the police and the fire marshals got there, they found the cook, a 70-year-old woman, chained to the stove by her ankle. She allegedly later said that she had set the fire um, as a suicide attempt because she feared being punished. She said that the slaves taken uh, to the uppermost room never came back. So, again... With the 70-year-old cook saying all this, this is, like, alleged. Yeah. Um, Because there's rumors that she said this or, like, there's rumors that um, it was just, like, an accidental fire kind of thing. There were so many different, like, variations. But from actual, like, police reports, fire marshal reports, it was proven that she was chained to the oven and that she started the fire. Now, what she said, not documented. This is just alleged. Alleged. As reported in New Orleans B of April 11th, 1834, bystanders uh, responded to the fire attempting to enter the quarter, uh, the quarters 
of those enslaved to ensure that everyone had been evacuated. Because that's money lost if your slaves die. Yeah, true. Exactly. Upon being refused the key by the Lollaries, the bystanders broke down the doors to the quarters and found seven slaves, more or less, horribly mutilated, suspended by the neck with their limbs apparently stretched out and torn from one extremity to the other, who claimed to have uh, been imprisoned there for several months. Very terrible. Very terrible. Um, There was many other torture devices found there as well. Yeah. But this is like direct quotes from bystanders. One of those who entered the premises was was Judge Jean-Francois. When the discovery of the abused slaves became widely known, a mob of local citizens attacked the Lollerie residents and demolished and destroyed everything upon which they could lay their hands. That was a direct quote. A sheriff and his officers were called upon to disperse the crowd, but by the time the mob left, the property had sustained major damage with, and I quote, uh, scarcely anything remaining but the walls, end quote. The slaves were taken to a local jail where they were available for public viewing. So essentially they were like, ooh, come look at these slaves. Like, oh, like a sideshow attraction. My. So it was partially a side. Fucking yeah. God. So it was partially a sideshow attraction as well as so people could view them to be like, okay, well, can they still work? Can we buy them? Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. So the Bee reported that by April 12th, up to 4,000 people had attended to view the slaves to, and I can, and I quote, to convince themselves of their sufferings, end quote. So it's like rubbernecking, essentially. Yeah, I'm so upset. I, 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 did, I did not know yeah. that they were, I knew they were taken and that was it. A lot of information has actually been glossed over in this case. Oh my so God. whenever people tell it, it's like, okay, because I've always, I've seen many different like true crime podcasts and YouTube channels where they talk about the case, but they never go into like extreme detail. I'm like, well, why give me the details? Cause like, I want to know like, and it's not like, it's partially morbid curiosity, but it's also like, how fucked up is this person to have done such horrendous things to these slaves, to these human beings? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want to know so I can understand the psychology. Well, I will say, like, especially when it comes to insanity, mm-hmm. sometimes there is no reason. I know. Other than insanity. Like, it's, mm-hmm. there's never going to be an answer. And that's so terrible. Terrible. The Pittsfield Sun, which is a newspaper, citing the April 14th report from New Orleans Advertiser and writing several weeks weeks after the um, evacuation of LaLaurie's quarters of slaves, claims that two of the slaves found in the mansion had died since their rescue. Uh, Though the next day on April 15th, the New Orleans Bee printed a retraction saying that none of the slaves rescued had died and no bodies were found on the grounds. Uh, There is no other source to back up the report from New Orleans advertiser. Um, So essentially, we do not know completely the full story of thereafter the mob kind of incident. So like thereafter the fire, like information got muddied. 
Wow. Yeah. So people were saying like, oh, yeah, we unearthed all these different bodies on the grounds and this and that and yada, yada, yada. It could have been rumor. Yeah, it could have been rumor. It also could have been New Orleans trying to like damper down the information from the rest of the United States or the colonies um, at that time. So that way, bad press, (laughs) you know what I mean? Couldn't um, tarnish the reputation of the rest of New Orleans. Because this became like a huge, huge um case. Yeah, I think even when like when you look at the pictures, it's like it's like right smack dab in a town. It's yes. Not, it's not rural. Yeah, no, this is like it spread very quickly like wildfire. All the news about the enslavements and stuff like that. But that's not it, because we still have um Lalaurie and her escape. Cause she escaped. She never got justice. Like the slaves never got justice. Yeah. I know. So Lallery's life after 1834, after the 1834 fire is like not well documented. Martineau wrote in 1838 that Lallery fled New Orleans during the mob violence that followed the fire, taking a coach to the waterfront and traveling by schooner. I have no idea what the fuck a schooner is to Mobile, Alabama, where Greg is from. (laughs) My fiance. Wow. I know. Mobile, Alabama. And then to Paris. By the time Martineau personally visited the Royal Street Mansion in 1836, it was still unoccupied and badly damaged with gaping windows and empty walls. And that's a quote. Allegedly, after getting on the schooner, Delphine ended up across the river in the town of uh, Mandeville. We know she was there because on April 21st, she signed power of attorney of her estate over to her eldest daughter's husband. Reportedly, Delphine made no efforts to free any of the slaves she owned. So she's still a selfish bitch. Despite Delphine's quote unquote bad mood and her determination to return to New Orleans, uh, the disapproval of her children and other relatives had apparently been enough for her to cancel her plans. Um, the circumstances of Lalaurie's death are also unclear. Yeah, someone started a rumor that she died of a boar hunting accident. In the late 1930s, Eugene ba- Bax, I'm just going to say Bax, who served as a sexton to St. Louis Cemetery's number one unit, 1924, discovered an old cracked copper plate in Alley 4 of the cemetery. The inscription on the plate read, and I quote, Madame Lurie, and then a lot of French shit. Um, the English translation of that um, reads, Madame Lurie, uh, born Marie Delphine McCarty, died in Paris December 7th, 1842, at the age of, and then it like trails off. It's, unle- it's illegible. According to the French archives um, of Paris, however, Lalaurie died in her Paris home in 1849 at the age of 64. She had been sick for years and was given a third class burial on December 9th of 1849 in Paris. Um, One thing I do want to mention, though, that I didn't write in my notes because I felt like it wasn't like super fucking relevant, but I think it's kind of fucking hilarious and a little bit of karma. So after Delphine and her husband had signed power of attorney over of their estate from themselves to like family members, the men, those male family, family members literally took advantage of um, the money situation and literally spent 
all their money, like gambled it away, all these different things. And Delphine, <laughs> when she was in Paris, because um, Delphine's husband uh, had taken her to his like hometown. And because he's, you know, middle class, it's not very lavish at all. Not what she's used to. So she's used to from literally the day she was fucking born, this lavish fucking lifestyle. So the whole time she's like living there in exile, like self exile, she's complaining constantly. Like how the fuck are we supposed to live like this? This is fucking bullshit. Yada, yada, yada. So literally, literally this man had to sell that home that he bought for them and like bought her a better fucking home and stuff like that. And like, she kept spending money after like, all this fucking money and like her children also never did get a job and they're spending all that money and so they're quickly losing fucking like running out of money and they're like hey like writing letters to like the family members like hey where the fuck's our money send us our money mom is sick da 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 and no response <laughs> so <Nice>. karma <laughs> that's essentially the story of Lollary's mansion the Lollary mansion since after the fire is reported to be haunted Anyone who has uh, bought the same, bought the home and tried living there or running a business out of it has encountered extreme bad luck. Um, like it went through so many fucking hands. Uh, fun fact, Nicolas Cage bought the home in 2006. Yeah. So is he the current owner? No, 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 no. So oh. he was known to buy um, a lot of properties all over the world. But because he wasn't, you know, financially responsible and didn't pay taxes and shit like that, he wasn't, um, he lost most of the properties that he owned, including the Lollary Mansion. So at this, at this point in time, um, you cannot go inside the home because it is privately owned. Um, but that's all I fucking wrote. Um, my thoughts on the case is that that was fucking hard to research. You gave me one of the most hardest fucking things to research. The very first episode. It's okay. So I think I think you should explain how the next episode is going to work. You have a little wheel on your phone. Oh, yeah. Well, real quick. Do you have any thoughts, comments about the case or anything um, like that? She's Questions? a bitch. Um, fucking privilege-ass kind. Yeah, if there's a hell, she's in it. I also personally suspect that the husband was also involved. So my biggest thing is, um, so like, there's no doubt in my mind that she like, you know, did it. But at the same time, um, like there's no way it was anonymous, like inconspicuous. There's no, no, but th at the same time, what makes anyone believe that the husband was also not involved? I don't know. Because he knew, he blatantly knew about it. Hence why he was trying to stop people and saying like, you know, mind your own fucking business kind of thing. But like, I personally think he was also involved. But yeah, anyways, the wheel. The wheel. You want to explain the wheel? I'll, I'll, I'll explain the wheel. So Tori has created a wheel of challenges that at the end of each episode, one of us will have to fulfill next episode. I think you should get the challenge. Yeah, my yeah, challenge yeah, exactly, was just fucking exactly. And because I picked the stories, I will happily oblige <laughs> just spinning the wheel. So we can uh, name a few things that are on the wheel. So some of the categories that I have on this wheel, it's literally just almost like part. It's like partially nonsensical. So it's just very vague to where like you got to find something that fits kind of the description of the category. So one of them is I am Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> uh, world's dumbest blank. Heist. 
home invasion, <laughs> blast through this pussy on the sidewalk, uh, overkill, meat suit, pills have eyes, and hash slinging slasher, fact or fiction. Those are the categories. Those are the categories. All right. You want to go ahead and yeah, I need you. I need you to spin it and then face it towards me so I can. We're gonna. We're gonna. Does it have a sound effect? Home invasion. A home invasion. You get home invasion. Do you like how the, I like how there's a knife emoji above? Select <laughs> <a large> category. <laughs> okay. So next week I will be telling a story about a home of a home invasion. Yeah. So it doesn't. So home invasion can literally just mean anything. It can like, mean many things. It, it could just be, be a robbery or it could be a brutal murderer. Yeah. So it could also be like someone's like crime that they did in the past before they became like a murderer kind of thing. Like they did like a shit ton of home invasions. Cause there, I know a couple different crimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where, I, well, I already have one in mind. Yeah. I have so, so many in mind. So I wonder which one you're going to pick. I'll, I'll tell you off the thing. No, don't tell me. I want to be surprised. Okay, 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 I want to okay. be surprised. Don't tell me. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, now I need to figure out what I'm going to do. You do need to figure out what you're going to do. And I think I think it's free game to cover whatever you want if you don't have the challenge. Ooh. <gasps> oh, okay. Don't say, I know, don't, say oh, don't say anything. Don't say anything. I know. It's going to be so sad, too. Oh, no. It is. <laughs> okay, it's going to be fine. so sad. We, we cover the it's same gonna case. It's going to be wholesome but sad at the same time. Oh. Yeah. It's oh, a very no. odd case. Okay. It's a very odd case. I'll nice. give I'll give you like a small spoiler. He never did any crime. <gasps> okay. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, yeah ooh, I know. Ooh. He did no crime whatsoever. Okay. Okay. Coolio. 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 Alrighty. I'm excited for this one. <laughs> Not right. gonna lie. Yeah. Now we have to come up with an outro. Oh my god. Now we gotta spend like another thirty minutes <laughs> doing an outro. I'm trick or treating to go to in forty. So I think <gasps> we can make it happen. Uh, okay. So. So I'm Andy. And I'm Tori. And this has been Floor, Floor on Fire. fire. <laughs> and done. Nice. Nice.